0: You're listening to Reality San Francisco's weekly podcast. For more audio content or information, please visit us at realitysf.com. Now, we are in a series called... Uh, parables and miracles. And what I'm going to speak about this morning is I'm going to go into the parable of the rich fool in Luke chapter 12. And I'm going to actually look a little, bit, a little about David's life as well in the Psalms. But Luke chapter 12, and I'm going to start in verse 22. The first part of this uh, parable, uh, I'm not going to go into. It's a rich, wonderful parable. It's pretty long. And the beginning of it is Jesus basically addressing a rich person saying like, you can't, you, know, you can't deal with fear and worry by just building up wealth. It's like that will fall apart. And then Jesus gives some really wonderful words about worry and fear and that how we should be dealing with it as a follower of his. Because the sense of you know, worry and fear is something that we all deal with. And, you know, it's this feeling of like, you know, losing a job and I can get all panicky, worry, fear, not being, you know, if I'm wanting to not be alone for my life or if I have a sick relative or um, I don't have enough money or just whatever it might be, like things can really consume us with worry and fear. And the passage that I'm going to look at here in, in, the, in this parable, at the end of the parable, and then going into Psalm and in one of the Psalms, it's been so helpful in my life. That's why I'm hoping it'll be an encouragement to you here because it brings me perspective of and it helps me calm down when I start panicking, when I start getting fearful and worry starts consuming me. I can turn to these scriptures and it's been so helpful in my life. So no matter what you're facing right now, you know whatever you think of, if I'm talking about worry or I'm talking about fear, if whatever's coming to your mind, You know, I'm I'm hoping and praying that these scriptures will be able to give some perspective on that. So let me look at what Jesus said here, and it was right after kind of he addresses like, you know, riches and wealth is not going to deal with your security and, and everything. And then he goes into like, all right, let's talk about worry, and then he says this in verse 22, starting here. Then Jesus said to his disciples, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn. Yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. You know, just like how much God values us. I pause there and I read that like we're valuable to God. Verse 25, it continue, he continues. Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Then, then verse 27, like consider how the wild flowers grow. In previous translations, it would say consider the lilies of the field. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after all such things, and your father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. And then I love how he closes this up. He's like, do not be afraid, little flock. I love those words. Don't be afraid. For your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. I love Jesus and how he knows us like and we don't have to be embarrassed or ashamed to say like we worry, we can be afraid and he addresses this in this parable when he's giving some instruction and he says like in verse 22 like do not worry about your life. I read that like oh I want that because I do worry about my life. Verse 25 who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life Oh, Lord, help me with that. Do not worry about it. Verse 31, do not be afraid. All right. I love reading that. And I can read this. And then I go like, all right, how do I deal with that in my life? I read this truth and I want to live it out. How can I live it out? Because worry and fear can consume us, like, I don't know about you, but I have done some really silly things when I get caught up in the cycle of worry and fear, and sometimes little things become huge things, and I need this teaching to bring it all into perspective. I'm going to share a story right now that I'm kind of embarrassed about, but I'm hoping it will reveal at least a story of how I had to come to grips with a worry and a fear that at first was small, and it developed to me doing some very, very embarrassing things later on as an adult. And when I was a child, I grew up in New Jersey, right near New York City, and uh, there was a TV movie thing that would happen like on Saturday nights I think it was called Creature Features and they'd show like kind of old school horror films and my parents would always say like you can't watch Creature Features it's gonna scare you and all that other stuff and I once was over Grandma Roses and she was babysitting me I just remember she had a whole bunch of cookies and she fell asleep and then I'm just like, all right, Grandma's asleep and my Creature Features is on some of my friends are watching like I'm gonna go watch this thing I think I was like nine years old or something so I turn on the television and grandma's knocked out with, from the cookies, and then she, I... Uh, and I turn this on, and the movie that was shown that night was... it should be on the screen, it's like Tarantula, right? <laughs> Monster Spart... there's 1955, this... Uh, 1955, this movie came out. And this was the film, you know, crawling terror 100 feet high, somehow like a nuclear explosion, or else they're doing something, and the, 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 tarant- the spider goes giant. All I know is I sat in front of that TV, and i was like totally like just like oh my gosh and as a young child right i just that movie was over i didn't move from the television watched the whole thing i went home and all i kept doing was waking up the several nights after waking up crying out like spider spider right and and my mom would have to come in like there's no spiders in new jersey no tarantulas like this and and it just freaked me out that moment I I had this horror of spiders after seeing this movie. Now I'm going to jump to I was high school pastor at Santa Cruz Bible and I'm in my late 20s at this time. I'm a mature adult and we're heading down to Mexico on a Mission to Mexico trip with about 100 high schoolers. And here I am preparing for the trip and there was a family that was coming up North um, uh, from being down in Mexico, and then they came up north to then, uh, and they're passing through Santa Cruz on the way up to Oregon. So, like, if we're having dinner with them, and we're having this dinner. I'm like, please tell me about the Mexico trip. I'm all excited. We're taking youth down there. We're going to be building a couple of homes, and we're going to be actually having, you know, children's ministry and working with the poor children in this particular village. And I was all excited about this. And then they're like, oh, and they got all excited. Like, yeah, we'll tell you about Mexico. And their two teenage daughters say, like, hey, go get the bucket. And I'm like, oh, what's the bucket? And they run out to their car, and they come running back in, and they bring this metal bucket in. And I'm like, and it was all full of tissue paper. And they start going, I'm like, what is this? And they start untaking. like, look at this, and in it was a whole bunch of spiders. And they pulled out one, and it looked like a crab. I'm not, it, was a, it was like a weird-legged thing, it almost had like little hooks on the end, and they're just like, look at this, and I'm like, oh! And they're like, <laughs> this, they're like, this one, we're all by a fire at night, and this one jumped right up and landed on dad's neck. It was really funny, <laughs> and I'm just like, oh my gosh, right, I'm like looking at that and then they're like, and then this one you know, and they pulled out a tarantula Like, we saw like hundreds of these all over the place and I'm just like, oh my gosh and then they had another one and it was like this wicked looking little black thing like this big and they're like, we found this one under the pillow and I'm just like <laughs> right? I don't know what they said after that at all like they talked about helping the children I'm just like Oh, my gosh. And all I'm like thinking of, tarantula movie, spider. I just, after that moment, like, here I am. I'm the youth leader taking this group. I went right down to Outdoor World. It was this, uh, um, you know, sport, sporting kind of place. Went down there, and I'm just like, all right, I got I to gotta deal with this. And I went and bought a, because uh, we're going to be like in, we're camping out with sort of um, mattresses and, and sleeping bags. And I'm like, I got the highest uh, cushion thing, blow-up thing that you could possibly get. Like they make like, you know, mini, mini, and they're like this huge one. I got the highest one because I figured a spider couldn't get up and then like crawl all the way up and then get on top, right? So then I got that one. I went and got two types of raid. So when I went down there, I put one around, the, my right on bed, and then I went out three feet and put a different one. So it was like a double layer uh, of this perimeter. I brought down the oscillating fan from the church office, um, because I figured if one was leaping while I was sleeping, it would get blown off, right? So I'm just like, I'm not doing it. And this is the part that I'm most ashamed about. And I really did this. I'm youth leader, so I had like the leadership. I'm like, okay, we're going to get set up. I'm sleeping in the middle. And I want all of you guys, like, you're going to lay around the outside of me in this perimeter, right? And that's exactly what I did. Right? And I'm just like but it was like it consumed me to the point of having irrational fear and I saw like two or three spiders it was no big deal but I still can't believe that I allowed a fear and a worry to creep into my psyche to make me actually direct the youth down there to <laughs> to, to to do that right like that's really serving you know the youth and I wasn't even thinking about the mission part of it what I do know is that was irrational Yet it, it affected me and it even affected my actions. And here I was serving Jesus on mission and allowing this to consume me. So I'm thinking, like, I'm reading these passages, you know, from the book of Luke 12, you know, about, like, don't worry and you're of great value. I'm like, okay. And, you know, and these things don't feel like, all right, but how do I take that in my life? And so what I have done is I want you to study scripture. I'm like, David was a guy who faced trouble. Now I'm going to jump to a psalm in Psalm 27 and look at a couple things about David because what I love about the Bible is that it gives you stories and it enables us to look at real people who had ups and downs and successes and failures and weaknesses and strengths. It doesn't just like hide things or paint everything so perfectly. And the context here of David... Who at this time, the best we understand, he was not just scared of spiders. He was actually having his life threatened. There was a king at King Saul who was like out to try to kill him. Right? And all of his army was like, you're dead. I'm after you. So this was a guy that wasn't just afraid of a few tarantulas or something like that happening. He was having a king and all of the king's army trying to kill him. That's something to be fearful of and worry about, understandably. So how did David deal with worry and fear in a very real situation? And I love this psalm because what he does is he then expresses it in a way that I believe, I know I can relate to, and then it's made a huge difference in my life when I address worry and fear. So I want to just kind of like look at a couple points of this particular psalm. It starts out, because here's David, not just thinking about spiders, he's thinking about, I'm gonna be dead. They're gonna kill me. And so what does he do? He's writing a poem, a beautiful expression, and he starts out and he goes, like, we don't know where he wrote this or exactly, but the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is my stronghold and my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Right? When evil men advance against me to devour my flesh, right? This heavy, heavy situation here. When my enemies attack me, then he starts saying, like, they will stumble and they'll fall. Even though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, right? War break out against me, I will be confident. So what we see David doing, and then whether this was a prayerful poem and song that he was writing, he doesn't first start out and focus on, I'm dead, they're going to kill me, what am I going to do? Or me, when I'm going to Mexico, the spiders, I'm just thinking about them and I'm letting that consume my mind and grow bigger and bigger that way. He starts out and he first focuses on what he knew about God instead of the worry and the fear he was facing. So to start out as he was living day to day wondering if he was even going to be alive the next day he starts out like alright God there's all of these things that I should be worried about and, there, and I, I have reason to be fearful about and he starts out and he goes like the Lord like he's focusing on who the Lord is he's my light it's that reminder of like God is our light to battle the darkness whatever we're facing anything whether it's death whether it's sickness Loss of job, spiders, whatever it might be that we are facing and our emotions are getting caught up in. He's starting out and he's like, I'm going to remember who God is first. Then he goes on, he says, the Lord is my salvation. You know, in the context of knowing even through the New Testament about the story of Jesus and what happens, we understand that word even more fulfilled in the sense of that it is God who delivers us from our worry and our fear, and he provides us with salvation through Jesus and the price he paid on the cross for our sin, and that's just like, you know what, it's my salvation, he's my light. It's like remembering these truths, the Lord is is the stronghold of my life. He is a place of safety and refuge, a shelter for us to run to. Back at that time period when David was writing that, when they would have a stronghold, they'd have like, it was extra food and water that they would keep stored. So when there is difficult times, they had a source to keep living off of while they're facing something that was tough. So you see David here, he's just like going over this again and again. It's remembering these teachings of Jesus. Don't worry about your life. You're like what he said. Don't remember. God loves you like so much. Your father knows what you need. Do not be afraid, little flock. These words from Jesus in in that parable. You know, God feeds the ravens. How much more valuable are you? It's that remembrance of like. All right, God. This is who you are. When we face worry and fear, the first thing our minds need to be doing, I believe, is to look at what David did and foremost focus on what we know about the truths of who God is. And it is interesting how that affects our minds, which then affects our emotions and how we respond to things. The scriptures are so wonderfully filled With who God is. And that's why in our church I'm I'm saying this all the time: like, how can we not be in the scriptures? I said it's like, there isn't a day that rarely that ever goes by in my life that I don't start by taking in the scriptures in my head so that I can have an accurate view of who God is, or else I will start creating the God in my own mind that might be different than the God of Scripture and that's why we have to be people in the Scriptures to really, it's so subtle to shift that. And that's why God is like communicating to us about who He is. This affects us. Here's another like story to try to just share a little about this, like when I was in college, I was a Clint Eastwood fan. And I, there's a poster. This is this poster. I had it above my bed. The outlaw Josie Wells. And if you get to know me, like I'm kind of introverted, and you know, and I have a hard time in public situations sometimes. And, and and Clint represented like strength, coolness. He could take anybody down, and all and all of this stuff. And so like I, I really kind of liked him. And I've seen him in these movies. And he was this tough guy. And he was powerful, not afraid of anything. I'm like, I like Clint Eastwood. And so I was, I was in uh, Colorado State University where I went to my undergraduate school, and I'm there, and I'm listening to the radio, and all of a sudden they said, Clint Eastwood is one of the celebrities at this golf tournament. And I'm like, oh, Clint. And it's like, I'm like, I'm going to go see him. So I drove my car. I'm just like, I'm going to go to this golf course. I've been driving one straight there. And I go to the golf course, and then I'm looking, and I'm like, Where is he? And then all of a sudden you see these various celebrities and there's even a a former president. I'm like, I don't care about him. I'm looking for Clint. And then there was was Clint. And I'm like, Clint, right? And I didn't know how to respond. So I was like, really idolized him. And so I'm like, what do I do? And I actually, there's like woods around the golf course where this was. And I didn't go out with among the people. It was, I did this odd thing. So I was like, oh, uh, I actually went into the bushes, and I'm like, like <laughs> watching Clint, and then he'd go like, and I'd be like, you know, looking at it again. I'm like, what a strange thing to, to to do. But I watched him, and then he went into the clubhouse. And I'm like, now's my chance. I'm gonna go meet him. So I went into the little clubhouse, and I walked. In. I'm like, hello, hi, Mr. Eastwood. And he's like, hello. And he's he's right here, and I'm just like, hi. And he's like, how are you doing? And I'm like, I'm good. And then he goes, I'm glad. And then he shakes my hand, and he walks away. And I'm just like, oh my gosh. Like, and then I, and he goes like, I'm, and I'm in my head, I'm like, Clint Eastwood. I just met him. And he's glad I'm doing good, right? That's what I had. So what's going on in my head is I'm just like, I'm driving home, and all I can think, of like, Clint Eastwood, he's glad I'm doing good, right? And that's like in my head. Like, He's glad I'm doing it, like a week later, I'm in one of my classes, and I'm just picturing like, you know, Clint Eastwood's, and now he's back in Hollywood or whatever, and he's probably like, right now at this moment, he's taking a break, you know, he's like, oh, I'm glad that Dan's doing good right now. Like I had in my mind that we created this bond of some sort, you know, <laughs> and then here's how it played out. This is where it ended up playing out. Is that I was in I was in this punk rock band in college, and I was in an agricultural place where I was at this particular time. I must have my hair like four times higher, and you know all this this the whole punk outfit and everything, and it was great. But like cowboys at that time weren't into punk, and so it was. I'm in this cowboy bar. It had pool tables, and so I had to play pool, love and pool. And I remember like this guy kept like poking, and you could see they were getting irritated, and this of lanky cowboy guys, for like, and I remember I'm like, I'm getting kind of bugged by this guy, and then all of a sudden I'm like, Clint, he's glad I'm doing good. And I looked at the cowboy guy, and I'm like, hey, stay back, will you? And he's like, oh, okay, and I'm just like, it works, you know, just like <laughs> this feeling of like, I got a bond with Clint, and the cowboy guy is scared of me, I'm like, this is great. Now, weird, weird little thing. But so strange how your emotions can psychologically, you know, realize like I thought Clint thought I was doing good and therefore this bond with him and then therefore I was able to stand up against a irritating cowboy in this bar. Now that's like nutty, but what about truth? What about the truth of not just an actor that you meet and he doesn't know you, of course? What about the living God? Who knows you? We're in relationship with. This isn't fictitious. This is reality. This is like his love for us as father. His spirit in us to strengthen us and move us along. His son who died for us and we put our faith in and rose again from the dead and defeated the sting of death for us and our sin. Like It's an intimate, real relationship and we know him right that's the thing, like we know him and he knows you and he knows me this isn't Clint Eastwood this is the living God and all of a sudden if we can start picturing that how it then might shape how we address our worries and our fears let me try to, I'm gonna put up on the screen just some graphics to try to explain some of this Picture on the left here, looks like, like there's our worry and our fear, and some of them are big, and they're rightfully something to be worried about. If you have no you know, funds coming in from a job, it could affect where you live, or someone might be sick that you know of, or you know, there's real things in life that come our way. And then there's us, This like the little blue circle there, and there's God, like we kind of know God's with us, like you'll read these verses, and like yeah, God's with us, but then we're consumed by like for me it was a fear of spiders, like you know, and I was a youth pastor at the time, and I allowed God to shrink down, and I wasn't focusing on really who he was and why I was even going to Mexico, I allowed my fear of spiders to totally consume me and make me do some ridiculous things. And if we then can pause, and that's why we need scripture, that's why we need to pray, that's why we need other Christians in our life to be reminding us of these truths when our minds go bonkers on certain things. But it's that sense of like, I'm facing something that's real, but then you know what? Like, all right, God, you are the creator of all the universe, right? The vastness of the universe not just our solar system, or our, our you know, galaxy, beyond and beyond and beyond. Like we can't even know God's fastness, right? All powerful, like almighty God, right? Hey, that's God, king of kings, like everybody. Wow, and all of a sudden, if I start by dwelling on that truth... Like David did. The Lord, you're my light, you're my salvation, you're my stronghold, and I'm going to focus on you first. Then our fears shift. God becomes bigger. Now, he's always bigger, right? He's always bigger. But our emotions sometimes can allow our worry and our fears to seem like they're bigger than God. Then take this further, because really... When we start putting God in perspective and from the truth, not our irrational minds and emotions that'll take us in crazy ways, but when we're grounded in truth and we're here and this is reminding of who God is, then our worries and fears don't disappear, but then they get perspective of things. And then I was looking at this, I'm like, that doesn't even capture God at all. I mean it's like, you know, it's like bigger, and this thing has to be like, ooh, you know, so it just should be even trying to come up with a graphic doesn't symbolize the Immenseness, you know, of, of who God is. But you know what? We will have worry and fear. We will lose jobs. We will have someone have cancer that we love or us or things in life that come our way. David was dealing with possible death. Yet when we put God in perspective, then things we handle it differently. And this is what I love about David. Then he didn't say like, okay, I know God. Then he didn't just ignore his worry or fear. In verse 12, going back to that psalm, David then is like, he puts God in perspective first. And then he just starts pouring out his heart. Like verse 12, David, he's like, don't turn me over to the desire of my foes. Like he's begging God, like, please help me with this. They're out to kill me. Don't turn me over. So he's not afraid to just let it loose and pour out his worry and his fear because any loving father of course wants to hear about your worries and your fears. And he goes, do not turn me over to the desire of my foe, for false witnesses arise up against me, breathing out violence. But yet I'm confident of this. I will see goodness, the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. You see, David felt free, not embarrassed, to pour out his worry and fears and ask God for help. We do not need to ever be ashamed that we need God's help when we're worried or scared about what we're facing. Whether it was a stupid spider stuff. Like, I, I wish I would have just gotten more perspective and I could have prayed, like, God, help me with this fear of spiders. But instead, you know, I let that control me and consume me. And we don't have to, and you see David's example is he specifically then cried out to God and he asked for help. What I love about David's example too that we see is that he was then also, you see in another passage, I'm not quoting it from that psalm because it's a longer psalm. He talks about singing songs of praise and remembering. That's why I believe like when we are scared and we're worried, sometimes we just need to sing. If you're not a singer, you can hum in your mind or listen to songs because often the lyrics will then focus on God's character and how great he is and then we can just be like lord i'm being reminded through music and song provided the lyrics are you know scripturally accurate because there's some nutty songs out there too but you know just like oh, lord like this is who you are and then i can turn to scripture and be reminded like this is who you are And so you might have to like memorize some passages or or know where to turn in the scriptures. Often when I wake up in the middle of the night, which happens somewhat frequently, and I'll be all consumed about like this going on in our church or what's going to happen with this. And my emotions start racing and I can't sleep. I will look in generally the Psalms and I'll be reminded like, oh Lord, this is who you are. And I can feel my heart like going fast and fast and like slowly, slowly, like okay. My problem's not going away. But I remember like, man, I got you, God, on my side. Help me with this. And I can calm down. Again, it doesn't make your problem disappear. David's problem dis- didn't disappear. But Jesus is saying, like, don't worry, I'm with you. You, know, um, you. you have to deal with the issues. But I'm with you. I love you. And David, what I know is we can then clearly let God know what your worries are and fears are with total confidence no embarrassing so in the Christian church like we should not be afraid to be talking to someone and another fellow it's like here's what I'm afraid with I'm struggling with this help me I'm scared of this we need each other let me pray for you let me remind you of this like who God is like we need each other, because left her own, unless you're like me. I mean, if you're like me, my mind will go in all these crazy directions. And then what I love about what David did, was the very last verse of the psalm, you have to read the whole thing, but at the end he basically says, after he recognizes who God is, then he pours out what he's afraid of. Then it says, wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart. Wait for the Lord. And for him facing death even cuz I like using that example cuz that's probably the biggest thing you'd be afraid of almost is then he just like all right I recognize who you are I pour out my fear to you ask you to help and now I just got to wait that's hard to do you know is wait but take heart wait for the lord it's like at this point David put his life in god's hands he trusted him and he waited In the middle of the night when I can't sleep and I'm trying to mentally and emotionally deal with something going on and, oh God, hell, right, what happens for me is like I'll read scripture, I'll try to calm down and I'm like, Lord, all right, I don't know how it's going to unfold, but I trust you and I wait for you. Again, waiting's hard, but interesting, when you look at this word wait, it's from the Hebrew word, and I wrote up on the screen, which means to twist or stretch. The noun form means line or cord. It is a verb describing the making of a strong, powerful rope or cord. This gives us, like when it's saying wait for the Lord, this gives us a picture that we can attach ourselves like tightly to God like a strong rope or cable would. It shows that how our fears, our anxieties, and our concerns can be replaced with his strength and his protection. When I've been looking through this and trying to say like, how can I describe this? The the image that comes to my mind when I'm looking at this waiting is like attaching yourself to a strong cable. And it was kind of like when we are uh, jumping off the top of these you know telephone these pamper poles, they call them up at Yume Lake Christian Camp, which is up in the the mountains up here and there is a time when I went up there, and I can remember like i 'm scared of heights and and, I, and there's a, I was with some high schoolers, it was my first year actually as a camp director, a youth pastor, and I went up to camp, and I go, they're like, let's go up this thing, I'm like, I don't think I wanna go up that thing, and they're like, come on, I'm trying, you know, they're looking at me like, you're our youth leader, you should be able to go up that thing, and I'm trying to like, you know, you're already f- freaking out about spiders, now you can't climb up this pole, you know, and I'm like, all right, and I watched this junior high girl right before me, and she like ran up the top, and she gets up the top, and like leaps off, and then you grab on this little trapeze thing, and they lower you down, Looks pretty easy, and all I know is I tried to go up, and I got up to the top, and the youth group's down below, and I'm, like, freaking out. I'm I'm not kidding. Like, I got up to the top, and my legs were shaking, like, literally shaking, and I remember I'm, like, all scritched down like this, like a weird thing. I'm, like, I can't do it, you know, and they're all looking at me, and I could see them, like, like, you, you. You wimpy youth leader, you know. And I'm like, what am I gonna do? And but this is weird. I'm like, oh God, I can't do this. Like, like, and then I just remember, like, wait a minute. And my mind started kicking in past my emotion. Like, I got this cable on me. I'm like, now this cable goes up over there, and there's these pulleys, and it's a really thick cable. And I got this whole harness thing on. I got a helmet. And then, and then the, they they hold it down there, and then it's even tied up at the bottom. Like, what can happen if I fall off? Like, they're just gonna catch me. And I remember, like, as soon as I made that mental shift. I was able to kind of go like, wait a minute, I'm attached to this cable. And I'm not kidding, I'm just like, whoop! And I was like, whew, and I jumped up. <laughs> and and I, I did miss the, the I, I missed the pulley thing. I'm sorry, the trapeze. The but it was still like, okay, he's okay as a youth leader. You know, so it was that sense of like <laughs> this subtle, interesting shift that you make mentally when you realize the worst case scenario is you won't get, you know, you'll be lifted by this cable and carried. Now I'm going to end with one story here that again is someone that represented, I think, someone that dealt with worry and fear well. Um, and this was a man who mentored me and his name was Rod Clendenin. And this is a photo of him. He was into fishing. He was tying fishing uh, um, lures at this point, flies. And he was a guy that, right when I was like, kind of seeking out God, and I moved to California, and, and I was getting involved in this church, and he began mentoring me. And, um, and, I, and it was an interesting thing, because he told me the story. Um, he was married to a woman named Connie. And then he was sharing that she wasn't his first wife. And I'm like, oh, he's like, yeah, my first wife died. And I'm like, oh, what happened? And he was telling me the story how he was married uh, when he was young, And he ended up, uh, he was leading a college ministry, and he'd have college kids over his house, and him and his wife, and they did that. They loved working with college students. And they ended up um, having a daughter, and the daughter was 13. And then it turned out that the wife, his wife had a heart ailment. And when the daughter was 13, the wife, his wife died. And he was absolutely panicked and grieving, and then his daughter was about to enter her most important years of teenage years and, and everything and then he's like oh lord and he started like what am I going to do I have to have somebody that's going to take care of my my daughter and what's going to happen and because he, he was working and he was going through this whole fear and worry and he said you know he could have like I'm going to go out to the bars and try to meet somebody quick or do something I don't know what to do but he was a man of integrity and a worshiper of God and he said he knew his mind and his emotions were going to take him wacky, horrible places of darkness. And so he ended up at this time when they only had record players, and they had, he had a record player, and, the, and I guess the, it was a, a cabinet was where you put the records in between the speakers, and he'd lay on his back in between the speakers, and he'd put uh, um, records on of hymns. How great thou art, you know, great is thy faithfulness, to remember who's God's character. And he'd just be laying there grieving, wondering what's going to happen with his daughter and be praying, oh, God, like, help me. I don't know what to do. And he said this. He said he was laying there one time praying, and he heard an audible voice that said, Connie Thompson will take care of you and your daughter. And he stood up. Now, and and he's telling me, he's like, Dan, I'm a Baptist. I don't hear voices, right? So that's what he said. I can't remember, and I'm like... He's not a guy that's always like, I heard this voice and this voice. And he's like, that was the only time he said he ever heard a voice. And he said, like, Connie Thompson? Connie Thompson was a college person in the college group years earlier that he and his wife fled. He hadn't seen her for a long time. It's like, Connie Thompson? Like, oh, my gosh, right? And he didn't know what to do with that. And he's like, what do I do with that? And he was sharing this. He's like, and he waited two or three months and then he's like, I guess I'm going to have to find out where, this is, you know, pre-email on the internet, and you can just find, he ended up getting her address from her parents, like, and all this stuff. And he's like, dear Connie, um, God told me. <laughs> now picture that, and she lived down in Pasadena, and he lived up near in San Jose. So picture, like, you know, Connie, she gets this letter, and be like, what you know like oh my right. she read it and I've had the same reaction like oh my that's my former college leader what like she puts it away and then Rod told me for three months he didn't hear back or four months he's like I felt like a fool but I didn't know what else to do and he said then what Connie then says after three or four months she then just she's a woman of prayer, prayer and like I'll have to write him back you know dear Rod sorry to hear about you know your wife, Miriam, and just all this, and just like, I hope, you know, I'll pray for you. And then he wrote her back, and then before I you know it, she wrote him back, and then they started writing letters. And then eventually, like, you know, do you want to meet up? It's like, sure. And they met up. And over the course of a year, they ended up falling in love. And then they got married. Right? And it's like, oh my gosh. And then they had five children, okay? <laughs> uh, with Connie. And the last one was this one on the left, and then she grew up to be Becky on the right and I ended up marrying Becky, right? <laughs> so like part of this is personal because if Rod would have freaked out, right, and like I can't deal with this, or his emotions would have gone like I'm going to go, you know, go on a dating frenzy, get somebody quick, you know, but he, he poured out his life to God, focused on who he was, he then expressed his fear and his concerns. In this case, God spoke to him. It's probably like the only way, in this case, to make a connection like that. And then he ended up then waiting. He rested. And then God ended up working that out. And I'm so glad he didn't freak out because I got a wife out of the deal. You know what I mean? It's kind of like that, that whole thing. But... Um, I, I just thank God that he did. Now, no, this is not so, I'm not, so when you're hearing the story, this isn't now like everybody in there like, hey, that's a good idea. I'm going to start writing letters to this person I haven't seen. You know, and then you'll be like, it's going to work. I'm like, no, unless you heard an audible voice. Like, Don't go and start writing kind of creepy letters to people. You know, like, um, but, uh, so I say that because God can do anything he wants. And in this case, he did, and it was fulfilled. But it was that example of human beings dealing with death. Now, Here's what ended up happening, basically, is that through time, Rod ended up getting cancer uh, in later his life, and I saw him go through the same process. And he focused on God, and I had talks with him because we lived right next door to each other, and, and he, he was fearful, and he was worried, and he was, had all of these things, but he kept saying, Dan, I want to honor God In this. And as his body withered away from cancer, he poured his life out. He did ask God to heal him. In his case, he didn't. And he waited. And in this case, it was time. And God had his cable attached to him through Jesus. And he took Rod to be with him. Whatever you're going through, you know, it's like this is truth. You know, you all have worries and fears. We all do. But I think the Lord that He gives us hope and, and direction, and it's real. This life is not easy. You know, I remember going through another stressful time, and I was in this room and had this little bunch of flowers set up. And, and uh, I was going through this season of like tough situations, and they had this thing, it was like this flowers, and like that, the lilies. And the top of the lilies, it had this big sign that said, Consider the lilies. And I'm like, Okay, because that's the parable that we started with. Like, can say, t- and then underneath it I had another tiny little sign, like, really consider them. Right, and I remember like, because I'm like, oh, I just consider the lilies, I know what Jesus said, I consider them, and then I saw the flowers, he cares for them, and like that. And then the really consider them, I'm reading that and I'm just like, oh, oh, oh. you know, just like, oh, I'm really considering them now, you know, and it's like, and then I felt this like, overwhelming like, ah, oh, you know, just like, he does care, you know. So this morning, Remember, he does care. Consider that. Pause. Remember, your fears, those are real. Lord, for those here, whatever they're dealing with, worry, fear, oh God, may your truth of who you are, strength, salvation, stronghold, light, please, may they sense it, not just even in the mind, but in the emotion. Guide us in this life. May they pour out their concern and their worry and their fear to you. For those that, and others may just need to be waiting right now. God, we just trust you. We trust you. We love you.